Hello and welcome back to the History of the British Isles, episode 15, Wessex Ascendant. Where we left off last episode, Mercia was dominant over all of Anglo-Saxon England. As the name suggests, their power was soon to crumble. How could such a dominant kingdom fall from power? In under 500 words, that's how. Well, the first thing to do is to continue through the history of Mercia a bit longer so that I can maybe teach you why Wessex could defeat them. Offa was succeeded by his son Ephrath, who only ruled for 141 days before being assassinated. According to Alcuin of York, who sent a, le- who sent a letter to a friend that the noble youth did not die through his own sins, I believe, it was vengeance on the father's, of the father's blood that fell upon the son. He was succeeded by Conewulf a descendant of one of Pender's brothers. Conewulf is the last king of Mercy to dominate the south of England, and had to put down numerous results by the troublesome kings of the south. One of the most major revolts was done by a would-be king of Kent called Adelbert Prane. After Adelbert was inevitably crushed, he was blinded and dismembered. It is now time to move away from Mercia and go south to Wessex, where King Egbert was growing in strength. King Egbert was the son of Aelmund, a minor member of the royal house of Wessex, and his mother was the daughter of King Aethelbert II of Kent. His father, Aelmund, used his wife's claim to Kent to get himself crowned as joint king. Soon after, Egbert, made, Egbert himself made a play for the crown of Wessex and started a rebellion. He was not able to gain enough support, and his rebellion soon fizzled out, having to flee to the court of Emperor Charlemagne of the Franks. In AD 802, King Bertic of Wessex died. This led Egbert to make another play for the kingship of Wessex. This time, though, he succeeded. This was probably because of the lack of any other real claimants to the throne. By all accounts, the kingdom prospered for the next 23 years. Egbert consolidated his power and built a great army. In 825, the, the power of Mercia was waning. There had been four kings in the past two years. Egbert saw his opportunity and attacked Mercia. At Wharton, which is in Wilshire, Egbert and his army met with the Mercians on the field of battle, and Egbert won. He continued to press his advantage and then and defeated and then defeated Bold Dread of Kent ousting him from power. He then turned his attention to Dumnonia, modern Cornwall, and fought them at the Battle of Galford. This resulted in the kings of Sussex, Surrey and Essex, all transferring their allegiance to Wessex. Egbert gave control of his new southwestern provinces to his son, Aethelwulf, and focused his attention on Mercia, once again going on the offensive in 828. Mercia had just been further weakened by war with East Anglia, so Egbert was able to take over all of the old supreme kingdom with ease. Wessex sure seems pretty powerful now, doesn't it? You might even call it Ascendant.
No matter how good of a king King Egbert was, it was impossible to control Mercia and Wessex. By By 830, Mercia was once again forming under a king named Wiglaf. Egbert just accepted the change in situation, likely because he considered himself the overlord of Wiglaf anyway. In 836, the Vikings first enter our story. I neglected to talk about the attack on Linda's farm in 793. They were Egbert's... They were... They, that is to say the Vikings, landed in North Devon and Somerset. This would be Egbert's new opponent, and far tougher than his previous ones. He met the Vikings at a battle outside Carhampton, but he was forced to withdraw from the field. Two years later, Dumnonia allied with the Vikings. This time, though... He won a decisive victory at the Battle of Hickston Down. Egbert died the following year, having cemented the power of Wessex over the course of his 37-year reign, single-handedly making them the premier power in England. He was buried in the Old Minster, a tomb in Winchester. His son, Aethelwolf, succeeded to the crown of Wessex. Aethelwolf was probably born during his father's exile to the court of the Franks. He was the only son of Egbert and only had one sister, St. Edith of Polesworth. Before he inherited the title for the crown of Wessex, he commanded the army that invaded Kent in 825 and became the sub-king of Egbert's southeastern domains. During his reign, Viking incursions stepped up a notch. In 843, Aethelwolf met the crew of 35 the crews of 35 Viking ships at at the Battle of Carhampton, the same site as his father had lost at seven years ago. He was not able to succeed where his father had failed and lost the battle. Eight years later, as the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle records, he inflicted the greatest slaughter on a heathen army and recovered the dominant, his, their dominance with a score of victories on both land and sea. First, at the Battle of Eclair, Aethelwolf's second son, Aethelbold, beat back Viking advances and lessened raiding for the next 14 years. Aethelwolf's oldest son, Aethelstan, followed his younger brother's successes by beating back the Vikings at a naval battle off the coast of Sandwich. Aethelstan died that same year. In 853, King Burgred of Mercia requested Aethelwolf's help in a war against the Welsh princes, and Aethelwolf obliged. This is probably because the Viking threat had stepped up. It's pro- this is probably because the Viking threat had brought the, fo- the two formerly warring kingdoms close together. King Burgred also married Aethelwolf's daughter, Princess Aethelswith. Berkshire also passed into the hands of Wessex in the Murray settlement, which had long been contested between the two kingdoms. In 855, Aethelwolf was feeling his age and went on pilgrimage to Rome. He left Wessex in the hands of Aethelbert, his eldest surviving son. During, during Aethelwolf's journey back from Rome, he stopped off at the court of Charles the Bold, King of the Franks. Both had been facing problems with the Viking raiders and agreed to form an alliance. This was see- sealed by Aethelwolf, Aethelwolf marrying Charles's 14-year-old daughter, Judith. This made Aethelbert insecure by his claim to the throne. Might Aethelwolf and Judith have another child who might contend the throne? Alderman Enwolf of Somerset and Bishop Elfstan of Sherborne 
Both supporters of Aethelbert pressured him to claim the throne, which he then did. Aethelwolf himself then returned to his own lands in the southeast of Wessex. He died in 858 and was buried in Steining in Wessex, though he was later moved to Winchester. On inheriting the crown, Aethelbolt married Judith, his father's widow. This sowed distrust between him and the church, with the latter viewing the marriage as contrary to teachings of the Catholic faith. Aethelbold was not to reign for long, though, as he died four and a half years later. According to Bishop Asser, close ally of Alfred the Great, who was Aethelbold's brother, by the by, wrote that the king was, and I quote, iniquitous and grasping. Asser was hardly impartial because, as a bishop, he already had a grudge against Aethelbold because of his marriage to Judith. Before I wrap up the episode, as that is what I'm about to do, I would like to finish the story of Judith. She went back to her father's court and was to be sent off to a nunnery. The only reason that she was not is that she fell in love with a lowly courtier called Baldwin and married him in secret. To keep up appearances, Charles the Bold made Baldwin the first Duke of Flanders, which is one half of modern Belgium. Modern Belgium. I just thought that that tale was interesting after hearing it many moons ago on David Crowther's History of England podcast. And so our tale comes to an end. I'm going to do another brief summary, as the situation has changed a lot since the days of Offa and the last episode. In the early 800s, Mercia's power was faltering because of constant instability and a glut of claims to the throne. This, this led to King Egbert of Wessex having the power to assert Wessex as the dominant power in Anglo-Saxon England. During his reign, Viking incursions became more common. His son, Aethelwulf, was able to hold off Viking attacks and had a long and mostly prosperous reign. His son Aethelbald overthrew him and became King of Wessex. He was only able to rule for five years. Now I have to frantically read up on Alfred the Great for the next episode. When, where we will cover him and his brothers. Sorry, sorry I haven't been talking about the rest of the British Isles. I'll try to fit a bit about the rest of the British Isles next time. It's very hard to find a valid narrative that includes all the constituent members of the British Isles. They're all in very separate political worlds. I'm really looking forward to 1601 and James I. Then all the parts will, come, will, come neat, will, neat, will neatly come together. But my current plan, I'll be there in around 100 episodes, though. Anyway, that's all for now. Goodbye.